What difference does it make? What 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 difference does it make where you buy underwear? What difference does it make? Underwear is underwear. It is underwear wherever you buy it. In Cincinnati or wherever. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. Yeah, him? He got $3 million, but he didn't get the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes. I definitely got the rose bushes. Those are rose bushes. And Mason Kuzmich. Uh, calm down? On today's episode, we're talking about Rain Man, a drama about an abrasive and selfish wheeler dealer, Charlie Babbitt, whose father <laughs> dies and leaves his inheritance to Charlie's autistic brother, Raymond, whose existence Charlie was unaware of. What'd you guys think? I'm sorry, wheeler dealer. That's what Wikipedia <laughs> said. No, that's fair. The story just, of an abrasive, selfish... Not giving our process. We write but, all of this no, originally but, from our own brains. It has a Wikilink article to Wheeler Dealer. No, stop. <laughs> what, all right, all right. What no, does no, Wikipedia no, say a Wheeler Dealer articles. is? What did you guys think? <laughs> They're going to find out that we don't watch the movies. We just read the synopses. <laughs> oh, they know. <laughs> that would be an excellent conceit for a movie podcast, by just, the way. Let's write that one making down. making shit yeah. up. Yeah, well, we have too many. Yeah. Uh, did you guys... Uh, either one of y'all seen this before? I, I, I have. seen parts of it. I've never seen it before. Uh, my overall experience with it uh, starts with this tale that I'm going to tell all oh, of you. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so there's okay. an XKCD comic that's about Raid Man. Uh-huh. And because of that, I thought that this was going to be an action-packed movie. And there's a scene at the end where it helps them out that he is able to count things really quickly. And somebody is shooting them with a gun. <laughs> and they're able to know exactly uh, you know, how many bullets have been shot. I Remember oh, is, now is that like that the like kind a, of like crossover between that and Dirty Harry? And Dirty Harry, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So he's, he's like, is that five or six bullets? He's like, six, definitely six. Yeah. <laughs> so I was confused as to how this movie was going to get there and eventually looked it up on my phone and realized <laughs> that this was just a normal dramatic movie. Right. I liked it, though. It was really good. No, I thought it, I thought it was well done. Um, like I said, I'd seen parts of it before. Uh, this was one of the Tom Cruise movies that my dad would occasionally put on and watch. The other one being, I think Top Gun. Cause I definitely saw the great balls of fire scene before. Terrible. movie. I thought your dad watched a few good men a lot. I don't, he, I think he did, or at least showed me the, this, the, uh, you can't handle the truth scene. Hmm. Um, yeah, he, he had a few Tom Cruise movies there for a while that he would, that he would put on. And good this choices. was one of them. This was one of them. So I, I did know, uh, kind of the, uh, the, relationship twists i guess to to them hmm. where the movie's name comes from and all that yeah and on that note let's get into our discussion of rain man Charlie Babbitt is in the middle of importing four Lamborghinis to Los Angeles for resale. He needs to deliver the vehicles to impatient buyers who have already made down payments in order to repay the loan he took out to buy the cars, but the EPA is holding the cars at the port due to the cars failing emissions regulations. Charlie directs an employee to lie to the buyers while he stalls his creditor. 
When Charlie learns that his estranged father has died, he and his girlfriend Susanna travel to Cincinnati, Ohio in order to settle the estate. He learns he is receiving the classic 1949 Buick Roadmaster convertible, which he and his father fought over, but the bulk of the $3 million estate is going to an unnamed trustee. Through social engineering, he learns the money is being directed to a mental institution where he meets his elder brother, Raymond Babbitt, of whom he was previously unaware. Social engineering. Yeah, I like how there's like this whole complicated setup of exactly what the car situation is, and then it's just like through social engineering, (laughs) he figures some stuff out, and he goes and finds his strange brother. Social engineering means complimenting the lady at the bank suit. Yeah. And you get what you want. Yeah, social engineering. It has a Wikipedia link. (laughs) so thanks donnie i think uh my main reaction at this point in the movie is just that i really hated tom cruise's character and the epa uh well no i I actually like unnecessary Mm. i mean unlike this day and age uh, just gonna just gonna cut in real here social engineering refers to psychological manipulation of people into performing actions or divulging confidential information okay but what is the legal definition of social engineering just told you no stop it stop it you're supposed to be the one who keeps us in line this whole thing is gonna fall apart if you don't do that uh but no uh yeah this movie definitely seems to say at the beginning fuck the epa they're just doing their jobs says fuck the well yes i don't know if it's saying fuck the epa i I don't yeah tom cruise is kind of a dick he's a very shady individual a little bit He's against the APA, but we're you're just, against him. You're just saying that because he sells cars out of some, what looks like a, a warehouse of some kind. That, yeah, he's shady. Yeah, by the docks? I'm unclear yeah. on what his job. It yeah. seems like he's yeah, buying he's, cars off the boat and then selling it to people as a middleman or something. Yeah, his business that consists of him. Boat, like people just ship cars to us in boats. His business uh-huh. that consists of they him, do. some yeah. other dude, and his girlfriend. Are you going to drive the cars here? No, they got to go in boats. Sorry, would you say Donovan? I was saying his business, which consists of him, some other random dude, and his girlfriend. Not bored again. Sorry. Yeah, no, mm. I like I like the dude that never really shows up again, aside from a couple phone calls that he, Tom Cruise cuts off early. Yeah. Let's fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that bald bastard. He was not bald. Was he not? No, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Are you some kind of self-hating bald man? <laughs> I think we so. We just but watched this movie. I, I'm, uh, yeah, something. <laughs> this is like 30 minutes ago. Like sometimes we have weeks before we record this. <laughs> we watched this movie maybe an hour ago. Well, okay. See, like he was so he was in the movie so little. I'm actually just kind of looking back and kind of envisioning him as Ted from from Scrubs. But you're wrong. Wow. <laughs> I know. That I know, is extremely I, wrong. I know I'm wrong. Bald uh, on bald crime over here. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, if you guys see a bald man walking down the street. Good chance it's Mason. Yeah, no. Well, fuck him up. <laughs> fuck him up. <laughs> Please do. It's my fetish. Unless it's Jason Statham. And then he'll fuck you up. Which is his fetish. Yeah. I'm not going to lead into an impression there. I was just bringing up Jason Statham. Y- you sure you don't want to do your Jason uh, Statham Also, impression? Roger Deakins is an excellent cinematographer. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay, but yeah, no. We get out of this that uh, Charlie Babbitt kind of sucks. And I think he's a respectable businessman. He's an entrepreneur. Despite the fact that I just said he was shady. Like, yeah, it seems like he's just ago. a weird middleman who's just buying stuff and then marking it up and selling to people. Yeah, so, it's, it's entrepreneurial. How legitimate that is. Entrepreneur. I mean, it's legitimate in a legal sense, but yeah, I guess it doesn't from, seem like he's providing a service. Yeah, I guess from what I'm getting from this is that he takes out a loan to buy the cars and then probably buys them for lower and then he resells them to other buyers for markup. 
and mm-hmm. a lot of those guys have already made their down payments, but yeah, yeah, EPA's fucking them over. Yeah, it's a one-man car dealership, but you have to pay first, and you never get your car, and the EPA won't let you drive it. Right. Hell yeah. I mean, other thing though uh, that we that we get out of this, or I just kind of want to point out, if uh, if you refuse to talk to your dad for decades it seems like and he still gives you in 1949 buick roadmaster i'd say that's probably a win and rose pushes yeah well yeah and if you previously said he didn't love me he loved his car and his rose bushes and he gives you those things which he prizes and took care of his entire life don't you think maybe no that's just dad sticking it to me a loving action you know an action of reconciliation i don't know in that i could also see that being his dad being a dick like hey the things you hated me for yeah, that's true, I guess. But I just, I don't know. He just acts so entitled at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, because I'm the kid of a rich kid. Like, I deserve this money. And, you know, and the will is just. Yeah, because really you only really have his word. Really, it's just talking about, like, we haven't talked to each other in years. Like, why would right. you be expecting this? You really only have his word that his dad was kind of a bad guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, tell your kids what's in the will early so that they're not surprised because that's uh, kind of a dick move is for no one to know what's in your will or, uh, until you're dead. I, I don't know. And but also, if you do that, don't have high expectations for what people are leaving you in their wills. If, yeah, if you th- do nobody's that. Nobody's required to leave you anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're their that's kid true. or not. They don't have to leave you shit. Life doesn't owe you $3 million. Yeah. Tom Cruise, personally. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he deserves yeah. this $3 million for being born. I mean, even if even if you were his only son. He doesn't have to leave that $3 million to you. He can do whatever he wants with his money. Yeah, he can build a, a dildo library out of it. 100% estate Well, tax. I know what I'm doing with my money when I die. Dildo library. Dildo library. <laughs> but I do not have a lot of money, so it will be very small. All right, uh, sir, excuse me. First of all, I have some clarifying questions about your dildo library. Now, when you say that it's going to be small because you don't have a lot of money, is this the size of the dildo itself or the facility <laughs> that is holding the dildos? Yes. All right. Do I need a card to check out dildos? Yes. Since I'm checking out dildos, will they be used by other patrons? Most likely, yes. Will they be cleaned before? That is unclear. Okay. Uh, I feel like it, that's a health code violation at least. No, it's fine. What's the advantage of utilizing your dildo library instead of just buying a dildo on Amazon? A thing which I assume wouldn't be much money, but uh, I'll be right back with you. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a library. It's free. Yeah, yeah it's you just have community. To, you just have to be a city resident. Where do you get your funding? Dildos are about $12 for a 7-inch soft silicone dildo. Nice. <laughs> okay, so oh, you could have, you could have a decent stock of those. Welcome to DildoCast. <laughs> Yeah. The Dildo Review Podcast. This is what happens when Dottie doesn't keep us on track. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, bud. You know, Doug, you could be chiming in here. I mean, I could always just move on to the next section since clearly we're done talking about it. Uh, I mean, we were talking about what? Tom Cruise being a dick and entitled prick. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've basically covered it. Charlie Babbitt being a dick. Charlie yeah. Babbitt. You're right. Well, all right. Uh, Raymond has savant syndrome and adheres to strict routines. He has superb recall, but he shows little emotional expression except when in distress. Charlie spirits Raymond out of the mental institution and into a hotel for the night. Susanna becomes upset with the way Charlie treats his brother and leaves. Charlie asks Raymond's doctor, Dr. Gerald R. Bruner, for half the estate in exchange for Raymond's return, but he refuses. Charlie decides to attempt to gain custody of his brother in order to get control of the money. Yeah, no, um, this is good. This is about when you start to realize that this movie is basically just about uh, Charlie Babbitt abducting and basically abusing his autistic brother. 
for well, see, the sake of getting money. I mean, I'm That's not great. I'm not going to defend Charlie Babbitt's motivations here because it's clearly wrong. Oh yeah, no, but I will I will say the doctor did say that he was a voluntary patient at Wahlberg, so he could yeah. leave at any time. They are related. They are family. So. It, in legal terms, I think it should, should be legal for his brother to take. You you can absolutely well, kidnap family. Well, that yeah, is that is I a mean, thing that that happens all the time with. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm saying there. I mean, he 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 kind of has a defense, in a way. I you think know. this is a, known as second degree kidnapping. Usually. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll look <laughs> sure, up the degrees sure. of kidnapping yeah. real, tr- real this quick. This is if you kidnap somebody in the heat of the moment for mm. lots of money. <laughs> yes, no, that that sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, definitely doesn't have good intentions here. In fact, I feel like you have to be sort of like history's worst monster to <laughs> kidnap your autistic brother who lives in a facility so that you can try to get an inheritance out of him. That's pretty bad. I mean, yeah. that's pretty bad. I think yeah. that, like the top 10% of worst people would do that. But like most people wouldn't do but that. But he, right? he was upset. He was mad at his dad. Also a little shitty his dad never told him he had a brother. I mean, that's true. I am totally on Tom Cruise's side. The entire family, except for Raymond, who's wholesome and great, is uh, oh. is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you not tell him? Seems that severely he has a dysfunctional. Yeah, I feel like that would have be a really important thing to tell somebody. I mean, that, I, hey, by the way, you have uh, you have this autistic brother who's in this uh, institution. Yeah, I mean, I can't so. imagine the Kennedy family talks often about the members that it's institutionalized. Well, yeah, but the Kennedy family probably doesn't feel great about the events surrounding that sure sure i don't think it's a good thing to hold up oh no no i'm I'm just i'm just saying that like it especially i mean especially the way it used to be it was then especially in like higher higher society quote unquote it would be a bit more i guess uh potentially embarrassing or they'd feel it was a bit more embarrassing to have a family member that's uh institutionalized Right. So that's true. But I wonder, I don't know. I I almost didn't get that impression in this case. Like, I felt like the dad and Raymond had seemed to have a good relationship. It didn't seem like he would have been like ashamed of him or was exiling him or anything. He 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 didn't tell him that. Like, that's kind of what I would think about the reason he wouldn't tell Charlie about him. Like yeah, he, may, he he may still do those things out of a sense of obligation, but it was kind of implied that his dad visited him a lot because he said, you know, I drive my dad lets dad lets me drive the car on Sundays. You know, I'm an excellent driver. Yeah, he like drives slow on the drive, but never on Mondays. Wrote never nice on notes Mondays. to him. And yeah, yeah. Raymond was stuff. Raymond was the son he loved, and Charlie was the son that he shunned, or the son that he shunned. Yes, I said that right. It was just weird because it rhymed. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's called into question later too. But well, but yes, that's the setup at least. All right. Well, uh, after Raymond refused to f- refuses to fly back to Los Angeles, they set out on a cross country road trip together. They make slow progress because Raymond insists on sticking to his routines, which includes includes watching Judge Wapner on television every day and getting to bed by 11 p.m. He also objects to traveling on the interstate after they pass a bad accident. During the course of the journey, Charlie learns more about Raymond, including that he is a mental calculator with the ability to instantly count hundreds of objects at once, far beyond the normal range of human sub... What the hell is that Math. Subsidizing abilities. Far beyond the normal range of human math abilities. Human submissive abilities. That's not what that says. He also learns that Raymond actually lived with the family when Charlie was young, and he realizes that the comforting figure from his childhood, whom he falsely remembered as an imaginary friend named Rain Man, was actually Raymond. He then figures figures out that Raymond was sent away to the institution after he almost bathed a young Charlie in hot water. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, big takeaway here: uh, vaccines will give you super math powers. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, are we? That's a really weird anti-vax stance. <laughs> We're pro-vaccination. Uh, yeah, here. I, I, hang on, I didn't um, say that as an anti-vax stance. Well, oh, you, man. I mean, you, you, I you out and I trusted <laughs> Donovan to fill me in on what you just said, and I feel tricked. <laughs> he said, he said, if you take vaccines, it'll give you super math powers, oh, which was basically okay. say, which is basically a weird way of saying the vaccines <laughs> cause like, autism. Oh, uh, mm, okay, yeah, I don't. <laughs> anyway, all right, so Andrew's on the fence. I just want to step aside for a second. <laughs> we are all pro-vaccines on this podcast. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm being extremely sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Vaccinate your, your children. Get your kids vaccinated. Uh, uh, the, the get your kids slash neutered. Slash S. Folks. No. No. What? Slash, slash S to get your children vaccinated? No, 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 no. no. I'm just... That, that's me right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop I, I've, using HTML markup <laughs> in real life words. Anyway, uh, supertizing funny. is the rapid, accurate, and confident judgments of numbers performed for small numbers of items. So, math so it's counting shit on the floor, basically. Okay, so far beyond the normal range of human fly. counting shit abilities. Yeah. Counting shit quickly, yeah. visually. There you go. Looking at it and just knowing the numbers without having to count it. Fuck right. you, Wikipedia and your big words. So yeah, he, he's he's shown to be very good at this, like, this quick, like, kind of, I guess, awareness of these objects. Mm-hmm. Figure out what's going on there. But the other the other aspect of, of what's going on with him seems to be that he's not good with conceptual conceptualizing mm-hmm. a lot of these things. I know they also yeah. they also do some stuff when it comes to, like, counting money uh-huh. and he can't do it at all like i it's something about like he has like no concept of money or something like that like like the value of things like they try and ask him you know how much how much do you think a candy bar costs he says a hundred dollars like okay yeah. well how much do you think this really nice car costs He's like oh a hundred dollars like well, he, do, he has no concept of th- that, value that's just the result of being a rich kid we've all seen <laughs> arrested development i mean i don't know about that <laughs> but okay <laughs> yeah uh one thing i like about this section um i don't know I don't know to the extent to which this movie is like an accurate representation of people on the spectrum at all. Um, but I like with his character in this movie that you start to, you know, they say that he has trouble communicating and kind of the, the gist that I was getting when I was watching or the feeling that I was getting, cause he's usually talking in like a monotone. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just feel like this person is not experiencing extreme emotions. Mm-hmm, you right. know, he's just kind of obsessing over certain things and repeating them. Um, and then you get to the airport and he just like keeps saying that he doesn't want to go on the plane and he's like at a one the whole time mm-hmm. and then when he tries to when tom cruise tries to actually take him to get on the plane he's immediately like at a 20 out of 10 and mm-hmm. just like freaking out like mm-hmm. screaming in public and i think they do yeah. a good job of portraying him as like he's having these different levels of emotional reactions to things but he just has no way to express it mm-hmm. and there's no gradualness to it there's, there's a switch it's either on or off exactly and it's like he's speaking to an extent he's speaking his own language and Charlie is just having to learn it throughout the right. movie. So, so I so I looked this up actually because that's kind of what I what I wanted to know as far as the accuracy of it and mm-hmm. what people thought about it. And from from looking things up, it's not particularly accurate. It's um, extremely rare for someone on the spectrum to behave like this. But like it does happen vaguely. I th- and the way the way I was seeing it, at least reported, um, in like the. T- few articles i was able to look up in the time between we watched the movie and decided to go get food uh-huh. um in those three minutes yeah it was not that long but it one of the one of the ways i saw it described by someone who is on the spectrum was um it's like it's like the apu of autism like it okay. like it, it's it's not you know malicious or anything but it, it's kind of created a 
a stereotype and it's that's kind of what i was wondering like is it you know because i wasn't alive in the 80s this came in the 80s right so i'm just like i don't know maybe people you know i've always grown up and people have like known what autism is yeah and this movie kind of played it like most people don't well and so so i wonder if this was sort of like one of the first big cultural representations of that and usually when that happens it's usually kind of Broad and right. inaccurate, you know, it's bringing it to people's awareness. That's kind of like the beginning of good representation, but it's usually, you know, not super accurate and right. Well, well, yeah, and stereotypical. Th- th- this was like probably one of the earliest, you know, big screen portrayals of of autism, um, and so in that regard, it was kind of groundbreaking, and it sort of kickstarted, I guess, an awareness of it, an awareness of what the autism spectrum is, um, which is a lot better understood now, but. Yeah, it's just yeah. one of those things. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I, will, I will also say, I know there's a lot of shows and movies that get a lot of flack for mm-hmm. using autism as a comedic effect. You know, Big Bang Theory, for example, comes to mind as the most egregious that I can think of. You right. know, have a whole character whose entire humor is based just on the fact that he's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's comedy in this movie, but I feel like they did it in a way that wasn't as offensive i guess sure like i I mean i don't know i i feel i don't feel like i can comment on that like i i don't know just not i mean like it's hard for me to describe what they did yeah that made it feel better to me than watching like big bang theory or something like that like it it felt like they weren't making fun of like you weren't laughing at the fact that this guy had this disease it was just kind of like just him being a complete character yeah it's like the the incidental things like it was mostly i guess tom cruise is kind of like trying to like work with them and like you know just that kind of incidental thing was had a little bit of humor to it like right yeah. but it wasn't they weren't hitting you over the head with the comedy it's like huh look at this guy who doesn't know mm-hmm. how to connect with people isn't that hilarious like the way that those you know right poorly made tv shows are going yeah fuck you big bang theory <laughs> i fucking said it you suck <laughs> yeah oh yeah. wow brave take <laughs> <laughs> years oh, after everyone's already decided that but well no and so like i think the main take that i've seen on this is it's kind of best viewed as a um as sort of a piece of history regarding this not her story okay okay <laughs> okay <laughs> but but not not necessarily is taking it as like really a, a one-to-one representation of what it's like yeah sure um and um i just totally forgot uh, where i was going with the end of this sentence and i couldn't figure it out before <laughs> i got there all right cool wait well, give me a second no i have something cool to say <laughs> well that's uh, okay. the podcast so no you, you're talking about the, the the comedy effect which yeah. you know I, I wouldn't begrudge somebody if you know they're offended by parts of this movie but um but i think the comedy specifically um like i think of the scene when they're in the the doctor's office uh, mm-hmm. he like takes them to a doctor to like you know and they're like well, what's wrong with him and he's like well he's autistic he lives in his own world and they're like but what's wrong with him? Do, do you mean artistic? I'm not, I'm not familiar <laughs> right. with this. Right, so you know they're playing it for laughs there, but that's also, to me, is a statement of the theme that they're doing, which is that at the beginning, Tom Cruise is thinking of him as someone for there's like something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. But the way that um, you know Dustin Hoffman is experienced the world is just different. So mm-hmm. to me, the comedy when they play it for laughs, it's like um, it's like that episode of Star Trek where Captain Picard's trying to like learn the language of the other alien and they just don't understand each other at all. And that's, that's where the comedy came from for me is they're not just laughing at this guy being autistic, mm-hmm. but they're just saying Tom Cruise like can't emotionally read this guy at all. And he has, you know, at yeah. first he's just like, Oh, I think you just don't like airplanes. But then 
you're freaking out about that. And I don't know how to talk you through this, like being afraid of traveling by car. Yeah, I, I guess I have to learn your language. And it's funny that there's misunderstanding happening between the two of them. Yeah, that's what I was trying. That's what I was trying to get across. Like, it's they're not making fun of the disability. The humor comes out of, you know, Charlie, who just, you know, who who's not on the spectrum. He doesn't really understand how Raymond perceives things and Raymond obviously doesn't understand how Charlie perceives things and there's that miscommunication that's where the humor comes in it's yeah. not it's making, fish out of water humor yeah it's not it's not parts. making fun of the fact that this guy has autism right. it's making fun of the of the and you know really the comedy is not heavy-handed either it's real subtle like there's there's a right. few parts where you kind of chuckle I wouldn't consider this a comedy movie at all though but no. it not it's they're not just throwing this person out there who can't he d- doesn't take social cues or anything, and oh, that's fucking hilarious. He can't. He doesn't know how to react to the situation, like because that's not funny. That's that's offensive at that point. So, yeah, sure. I think it's I think it's done better here. But no, I could like like you said, I could definitely see someone maybe still being a little offended by the fact that some of these things that are played for last. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's dated. It's not mm-hmm. particularly accurate. We know a lot more now. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, different. But so, they also they also do a good job though. I think, well, I mean, like you said, this isn't entirely accurate, but they, they also have the serious moments when he has his freakouts or whatever, mm-hmm. and they don't play those for laughs at all. Those yeah. are like serious moments, like, like, yeah. like okay, like, like, like yeah, th- th- he, this, he's is, in this, is, this is the, the bad part of mm-hmm. like what's going on with this guy. Like, we, he, fr- like, these moments are like, he's in know, distress. Like, yeah, Charlie doesn't know like, how yeah. to deal with it. And yeah. it's, and it's why it's, it's Charlie like is doing the wrong thing by taking him out of, uh, an environment that he thrives in and enjoys yeah. it's you know charlie seeing these moments where he's like oh i am in, i am making this person suffer uh, yeah i'm just doing this without i am not i am not ready for this i'm not prepared for this i'm not really right. i don't know how to i don't know how to de- deal with this yeah and another thing i think this movie kind of does well and we, we were we were criticizing charlie you know saying you know he's such an asshole or whatever, like the way he's treating his brother like that. But I actually could see that being a realistic interpretation of someone who's never dealt with someone Mm -hmm. on the spectrum like this. Like you react just naturally with frustration and you kind of lash out and stuff like that. And you know, it was, it was, I mean, being the objective viewers that we are, it was, you know, you're, you're getting mad at Tom Cruise. Like I quit treating your brother like that or whatever. But you know, at the same time, that's kind of more, that's kind of a realistic, thing that that happens so right and i mean i know i know that's a problem some parents Mm -hmm. uh, have when when they're when their kids um are autistic or on the spectrum Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's it's a it's a tough line to walk i guess but i mean that that's yeah you're right that's a frustration people are going to feel when they don't know how to communicate with another person. Yeah. 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 And I like the trajectory that his character takes um, in this too, because he starts out at that point and he kind of gets a little bit, I start to like him like a little bit better during their kind of like road trip because he's having to take care of, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what is Dustin Hoffman's name? Raymond. Raymond. Okay, he has yeah. to take, it's the name of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, almost. Almost. It's almost the name of the movie, uh, but he's having to take care of him. Right. So that's part of, you know that's a really good way to make his character more likable. Is he's ha- he's trying to have to um, interpret yeah, what this guy needs. He's working with him on his routines exactly. and stuff like that. You know yeah. he's he's trying to be a caretaker for him, and you see him like still kind of fail at that and and be bad. But I just I like how they show that progression. And I don't think this is in the recap, but he has this one point where he's again trying to get Raymond 
what he needs, right? His routine is to watch Night Court or whatever. Yeah, and so the they, People's Court, yeah. They, or, yeah, People's Court. <laughs> Night, Night Court. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Arrested Development. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, so he, he rolls up on this lady's house and basically, you know, asks her help um, if they can use her TV. He tries to con her first, but eventually just says, this is my brother and he needs, he needs to watch People's Court. Can we please do it? Um, and she's like, yes. And I like that little moment because, A, she's the coolest lady in the world that she says yes after this guy was trying to trick her into coming into her home. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, she has like six kids and she's like taking care of all of them at once. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of this vision of like, just yes. adds two more kids into the house for her to take care of. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just the vision of like sometimes you have to take care of people, and like yeah. that's okay. Like that's just a thing that you do because some people, you know, need the help, and you know, this lady can deal with six kids, so like you can figure out how to talk mm-hmm. to your brother and have a relationship with your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, what we were saying, the progression progression of Tom Cruise's character is something that I think a lesser movie would rush. Like, you know, he'd start off being really abrasive and doesn't want to be with them. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the movie, oh, I, I love my brother and I want to be with him. But I feel like they do do it gradually, you know, more realistic. Because, you know, he does start to learn his routines and take care of them, but he's still getting frustrated while he's doing it. Like, there's that one scene where he has to go out and get green jello and fish sticks mm-hmm. for him. But, you know, he's still, like, the way he's acting there like yeah he's helping him out but then like oh well you know there's supposed to be eight fish sticks it's only four and he just cuts up the four fish sticks yeah. and just yeah. throws it and, like, like he's frustrated clearly like clearly frustrated like he's yeah. getting better but he's still getting frustrated and yeah. he's still, he's kind still of, resentful of having yeah. to be a caretaker for him which again yeah, that's so a very they, real feeling that people have yeah i feel like that's a big problem with movies that have like a character arc like that is rushing the character arc mm-hmm. and i feel like they do this in a realistic for the most part way maybe they kind of jump real quick towards the end of all of a sudden he doesn't care about the money and he cares about his brother. It kind of felt a little rushed, but you know, yeah. it is only a two hour movie. You yeah. know, you can't, yeah. you can't do, you can't do every, every minute of a big character shift like that in a two hour movie. So. Well, also like why, why would he want to uh, just take a check for him when he can take him to Vegas every weekend and just well, change, change, which is also really fucked up, but well, I don't think he'll be able to do that. No, no, anymore. he won't. He won't. Well, speaking of Vegas, uh, <laughs> after the Lamborghinis are seized by his creditor, Charlie finds himself $80,000 in the hole and hatches a plan to return to Las Vegas, which they pass the night before and win money at blackjack by counting cards. Though the casino bosses are skeptical that anyone can count cards with a six-deck shoe, after reviewing security footage, they ask Charlie and Raymond to leave. Charlie has made over $86,000 to cover his debts and has reconciled with Susanna, who rejoined them in Las Vegas. Uh, Raymond made over $86,000. Well, Charlie kept the money. I mean, yeah. So. Because, <laughs> Raymond, again, Raymond, Raymond doesn't understand the concept and, of money. And Charlie kept it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so again, I like the scene as it's part of his character progression. Cause like sort of in the last section when he learned that, you know, Raymond had actually lived with him when they were younger. Um, and is it, when, when does the rain man sing to him? What is that? Uh, you know, he thinks that's an imaginary friend at first, but like, when is mm-hmm. that when he's freaked out about something? Yeah. Well, yeah. Is when he's scared as a kid, the rain man okay. would sing to him. Yeah. So I thought that was good because it, it kind of does two things for him. Um, you know, one is it's it's like a, a role reversal, mm-hmm. um, and it's him realizing that, you know, oh, I am resentful of having to take care of you, but when you are in a position of taking care of me, like, you just, you, you did it. Like, you did yeah. take care of me mm-hmm. um, when I needed that for you. Um, and then also it opens up this, like, oh, maybe you can still take care of me a little bit, right? Like, yeah. uh, my life's about to be ruined because I'm going to be $80,000 in debt, and maybe we can use your abilities to, to get out of that. Yeah. And again, that's kind of a little on the 
fucked up side. But. It's a little exploitative, but I, I can see what they're going for here. <laughs> yeah. like he still has character growth to go through in this movie, but I can. Yeah, and with you know, without that, this scene, is better than he was in the past. It's better that he's like trusting him and liking him and trying to have fun with him. Yeah. Right, and without and that scene, you wouldn't have gotten an iconic moment from uh, from the Hangover. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I didn't. I saw it in the Hangover, and I had just no concept that this was directly from Rain Man. <laughs> and then I watch Rain Man, and I'm just like, oh, it's okay. the same shot. I'm getting the joke in reverse. Like it's a joke where I didn't get the punchline for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back a little bit to where we find out that he was the rain man or whatever. We also learned this thing where, you know, he gets sent to the institution by the dad because he was about to wash Charlie in like boiling hot water, like super hot water or whatever right. like that, which that movie didn't lean really heavy, heavy into it. But I feel like that almost shows that, you know, the dad did care about, Charlie, like, yeah. like he, like he, you know, he, he clearly loved Raymond. He kept in touch with Raymond and everything like that. But he understood that having Raymond, you know, around Charlie could be dangerous for Charlie in a way. Mm-hmm. So that he, you know, he, he set he separated them like that. So it, I mean, they, they didn't really lean too heavy into that. But that's kind of the impression I got that that yeah. was kind of a little bit of a like redeeming factor for the dad who you, Charlie just seems to think didn't care about him at all or anything like that and i think it kind of shows that he did yeah you're um, right they, they definitely didn't dwell on it very much which mm-hmm. is weird now that i think about it because that was my immediate thought in that scene is like oh that changes the whole context for what he was thinking of with his dad mm-hmm. and maybe not like the whole context because obviously they still had a falling out for, yeah like whatever unrelated reason right did he ever talk about like why he didn't like his dad like what specifically well, their beef was well he they well, they talked about why he left and why he left was that his dad left him in jail for two days after he took oh, the car out. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's really the only thing we get. Like, clearly there was more there than that. And I don't know, maybe, I'm, I mean, I guess it's all conjecture at this point because they didn't go over in the movie, but maybe, you know, the dad did have some revis- resentment for having to put Raymond in the institution maybe. For, for Charlie. And he kind of he, he kind of took that out on Charlie just because, yeah. even though it wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. But, you know. Like I said, they the movie didn't cover it. This is all just speculation. So right, yeah. but so it definitely changes the context for that. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're the dad, why not fucking tell this kid that he had a brother? Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't and really could under- have had a relationship with his brother. Yeah, I don't really understand the the decision making process there. Of like, why wouldn't you just tell him he had yeah. a brother? But fun like mystery it, lurking it, in the background. Because it, it, I don't. It contradicts itself. It almost makes it seem like he was ashamed that he had this autistic son. So he swept him under the rug and didn't let the family know. But then you find out when you meet Raymond, you see all the books that have the inscription from the dad, that his dad came and visited him, let him drive the car. Clearly he did love Raymond. Raymond, So obviously he wasn't ashamed of him. So it's like, it almost contradicts itself. Well, I mean, you can love someone and be ashamed of them. Like in a, in a social sense. I'm extremely I mean, ashamed of Mason. Right uh, now. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, why but do I you also don't off? love Mason. He will not. You won't <laughs> put your pants on. And I figure if I'm going to be unhappy, then you should be happy. Well, I, gu- I guess what I'm saying. I, oh, I, that's, uh, it's, it's a weird relationship. I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I didn't get the impression that the dad was ashamed of Raymond. Uh, we're okay. trying to talk about hand jobs over here. Okay. Well, I'm trying to the podcast. Why are you being serious so, and talking about the beautiful messages weaved into this movie anyways i didn't i didn't really woven? get woven into this movie woven into the movie weaved it's woven woven but into this movie anyways i didn't really get the impression the dad was ashamed of raymond it's just it, it, it felt weird that he did it like that's why it felt weird that he didn't tell charlie right yeah and, and I, no, I, so, I see what you're saying with the contradiction yeah um and i think that that 
it's not like so much of a contradiction that I think the movie is just being stupid, mm-hmm. um, but it feels like a way that a real person might actually be. So to me, it just suggests that there's still something going on with the dad there where he's still like a very flawed person. He's not yeah. like a secret saint, but there's still like, you know, some, you know, whether it's like what Mason said and you're just like, I'm a rich guy and I don't want, you know, this getting out or, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was just a complete inability. You know, the doctor said he has trouble expressing his love. So he's just like an emotionally constipated or what it is. It may just be that American men are very almost incapable of, of showing love or affection. Yeah, through anything other than hand jobs during podcasts. I know, hmm. and you know what? Like it's I mean, at least there's that, right? At least we all have that. Yeah. Well, anyways, we're ta- we're, we're we're discussing <laughs> we're discussing all this stuff about the dad, but on clearly the movie does not want to focus about that relationship right at all. No, yeah, yeah, it's it's they're, just later they're going not mad at the dad, but yeah, like, the relationship with the dad is the setup, really. Yeah, like really this movie is Going full into this relationship between the two, bro- two, you know, estranged brothers or whatever, or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 they're two, two brothers. brothers, you know, yeah, so, yeah, just two brothers. It's just called two brothers. <laughs> yeah, all you, uh, all you people with high IQs will get that joke. Oh, are you Bojack <laughs> Horseman heads out start. there? No. How <laughs> dare you, sir? <laughs> uh, sad horse show. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, three white guys with a podcast, and we like Rick and Morty. Oh my god. Oh. I, I'm not, I'm not admitting to liking Rick and Morty on air. But you do. Uh, <laughs> I just hate the fans so much. Well, back in Los Angeles, well, God, not, I'm sorry. There's it. still more to talk about here. I thought we, we should were talk about. No, we're talking. We're talking about Rick and Morty. We're not even talking about the movie. So clearly, we're done. We should we're talk done. about Susanna for a second, because okay. no, specifically, why would we do that? Why would we talk about that lamp? That sexy lamp over there. <laughs> because it says more on that later, folks. <laughs> because it says she rejoined them in Las Vegas, and you know what? Judging from everything else we've read, don't even know she's left. I don't think. No, yeah. it's, it said she left earlier. Uh, maybe Am I did. the only one who missed out on like how she knew they were in Vegas and they, why she decided to come up and be there, with there was Where a, there else was a phone call? Be? There oh, was a okay. phone call between Charlie and her before okay. before she showed up. That's right. So, um, but I, I mean, it's I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's kind of strange. There were moments where, like, it definitely seemed like she was part of his or his whole character growth towards actually, you know, giving a shit about his brother as a person. Um, was she though? Well, I th- well, I feel like so. He, I think that's what they were trying to do. I don't think necessarily think they pulled it off there. See, I but. feel like he got there on his own because I feel like she left too early because yeah. he was still being a dick. That's why she left. Right. She didn't like the way he was treating him, so she left. And then by the time she comes back, he's already made. I mean, he hasn't made his full shift, but he's gotten pretty damn close. Like he's, you know, learned to accept to accept you know his brother's routines and stuff like that, and work with him on it. And at that point, it's like, why are you even here? Go away, sexy lamp. Yeah. We don't need I, you. Well, I almost anymore. wonder, story-wise, if it was like, well, we can't have Tom Cruise be alone for the first thirty minutes of the movie because then he won't have anyone to talk to. And then <laughs> they're like, but we want like him that. to be alone with Dustin Hoffman because it needs to be really stressful for him mm-hmm. to yeah. try to figure this situation out on his own. Yeah. But it, it, in some level, her character does kind of reference that when, uh, in like the first scene with them when they're in the car and she's talking about him just ignoring her completely. Like she's not even there. Why won't you talk? (laughs) Can we have some kind of like weird, you know, art movie that's like meta aware? She's like, and every time like the scene cuts to like 45 minutes later, she's like, why have you just not been talking to me for the last 45 minutes in this car? (laughs) Why am I here during scenes? Why am I in this movie? What is going on? How did I get here? (laughs) 
Anyways, back in Los Angeles, Charlie meets with Dr. Bruner, who offers him $250,000 to walk away from Raymond. Charlie refuses and says that he is no longer upset about what his father left him, but he wants to have a relationship with his brother. At a meeting with a court-appointed psychiatrist, Raymond is shown to be unable to decide for himself what he wants. Charlie stops the questioning and tells Raymond he is happy to have him as his brother. Charlie takes Raymond to the train station, where he boards an Amtrak train with Dr. Bruner to return to the mental institution. Charlie promises Raymond that he will visit in two weeks. So I just want to point out that this is now two two episodes in a row where we've talked about movies where Tom Cruise has been offered money to walk away from someone, mm-hmm. but he won't because he just loves them too damn much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, except this one is done much better. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way better. Uh, also, this ending is uh, extremely reminiscent of Kramer versus Kramer, which is also a Dustin Hoffman movie. Oh, Go watch know. that movie, kids. It's a very good movie. I assume. <laughs> you you assume. It? it sounds like a movie I'd really like. Okay. <laughs> uh, Valley Andrew showed Sometimes up. you know. <laughs> Valley, Andrew? What? Was I doing a Valley Girl accent over here? It, it, that's a what it sounded bit. like to me. How, okay. A little well, bit. All right. I'm sorry. I, I thought that was intentional. No. No. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes I just find myself verbally explaining a thing that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. That's fair. And then I just get an intonation in my voice where I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh but okay, so the, the other the other thing that I want to kind of bring up in all of this like near the end bit, when when they were actually talking to the psychiatrist, Doctor Bruner and who else? Is that, they, that just uh, the coin appointed Doctor Frankenfurter? Ah, uh, yes, okay, Doctor Frankenfurter, I believe was his name. Um, he, he was very Babbitt. Charlie Babbitt was very defensive. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, he was n- barely even waiting for the doctor to finish his well, statements I've, or questions. I feel like he already kind of knew. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he read that, the room and figured out that they were not really siding with him. Well, th- you, you got to remember this also came just after the worst freakout we'd seen with Raymond with with the right. smoke detector, where he's sl- slamming his head on the on the door and you know stuff like that. And I, you know, there's that little moment where Charlie sits down and just has this look on his face. I feel like he kind of re- realizes right then that while he loves his brother and wants to be part of his life, he's not going to be able to care for, he's not ready to yeah. care for his brother. And I think he's already kind of accepted the fact that he's going to have to send his brother back to Walbrook. Right. I think that's the struggle there is, like he's, is him like trying to justify keeping him not, not even just to the doctors, but kind of to himself. Yeah. Like he's still holding on to this hope that he can keep his brother with them, but you know, deep down, he's already kind of realized like he's not going to be able to, like he's just not going to be able to handle it, mm-hmm. um, just because of that last last freak out. Which you know he he was asleep and his brother just was trying to cook himself some waffles, and it just yeah. shit that that kind of stuff just happens. So it's like he just he doesn't have that kind of ability to constantly be looking out for him and everything like that. So right, yeah, yeah. He he just got accepting of his brother he's not ready to be his caretaker yet yeah now that's gonna take a while um quick breakdown real quick of the movie kramer versus kramer a movie that i've never seen <laughs> all right. right have you guys seen it no no okay so big dis- I, i'm imagining two kramers from seinfeld fighting i know that's weird right <laughs> I imagine that too. <laughs> what it actually is is it's big business guy his wife leaves him right he has a little kid he has no idea how to deal with his kid and throughout the movie he has a better relationship with his kid he works less um, and then in the end, they have a custody battle, and his kid wants to stay with him now because he has a good relationship with dad. And he realizes that he'd have to go to court to make that happen, and 
and he's like, ooh, I don't think that would be good for you, so I'm going to let you go with your mom instead, because she was also, like, a good mom, mm. and I just don't want you to have to go through that whole terrible experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like that same journey that Tom Cruise is on here, where it's like, I have grown as a character enough to realize that I cannot have... <laughs> I cannot be the good thing for you, so I have to lose the thing that I've actually been trying to get. Not just the money, but also the last half of this movie, just the relationship with the brother. Yeah. If you truly love something, set it on an Amtrak train. Yeah. If yeah, there it you has go. a doctor that it's really good friends with that <laughs> yes. wants to take care of it forever. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, I mean, well, kind of the same thing you were saying about Kramer with Kramer. Like also, another thing that kind of... That, that incident before, and then also the fact that Raymond is reacting adversely to the questioning process. I think Charlie just realizes that going through this whole court battle and everything isn't going to be good for Raymond. And it's probably just better to leave him with the doctors who clearly care about him and know how to care for him. And there's nothing saying he can't come visit him, still be a part of his yeah. life and everything. Move it's to probably, Cincinnati. Go see him every yeah, week. Let him, let him drive in the driveway. Yeah, that's because that's, that's probably going to make everybody happy at that point is, you know... Raymond's going to be in his comfort zone and everything. Charlie can still be with them as much as he wants. He can visit anytime he wants. So that's probably just the best thing to go. So kind of a a maturing of Tom Cruise's character, who is very man child at the beginning of this movie. And it's kind of, kind of grown up a little bit by the end. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to talk about something that I am extremely qualified to talk about um, as a white guy in a room with two other white guys. I want to speak for yeah, no, all. This will be good. I want to speak for all women in the world right now. Uh-huh, oh, no. Just remember, as I'm saying all this, that uh, I speak for all women, and these are facts that not, are correct. This we're gonna, all of these opinions are all right. of our female viewers. We're going yeah. to. We're just. All right, so I, w- I want to talk about how uh, all these little different font tests that you can use for sometimes how uh, ladies are written in films. Uh, most She's of them, a lady. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, most of them are pretty low bars that a lot of movies don't pass. Sometimes a movie doesn't pass them, and it's a good movie. But uh, I just want to start get, like keeping track of these as we go through All these right. movies. So the first one is the Bechdel test, right? So it's got a few different parts. Were there more? Were there two women in this movie? At least two women. Yes. Yes. Technically. Yes. Yes. There was one. Susanna. Sort of main one, and there was a lot of little small one-offs. Yeah, the women mom characters. with the kids, there's sure. like the nurse and all that. There's, there's the like some people prost- in the prostitute in Vegas, and yeah. Exactly. The, the bank lady. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the nice suit. Yep, there you go. Second question: Do any of them talk to each other? Do the women talk to each other? Do, yes. No. That's the second part of the Bechdel test. Are there two women who talk to each other? There is I no point. Don't think so. No, I don't believe so. There is. Since they don't talk to each other, it doesn't matter. That is the conversation not about a man. Uh, and then the fourth part is, are they named characters, which we already know is not true. Um, so uh, not great on that front. Actually, I mean, uh, actually most multiple, of them were named. Most of them were named. Were they? Well, there's Iris, the prostitute. There's, oh, uh, you're right. There's, uh, she did what, have what's her name? name? Sally Dibbs. I was thinking about the nurse and uh-huh. the mom. There's oh, I forgot about Sally. Sally Dibbs the di- Sally. is the diner woman who he memorized oh, from reading the phone yeah. book. The, and there's which, Susanna. Oh, man. Which I have yeah, to imagine was the, like a really creepy moment. Yeah. You're just reciting which, uh, your phone number which, uh, to Which, to fun you. fact that I didn't put in the trivia, so I'm going to put it in now, that was Bonnie Hunt in her, uh, in her film debut, if, oh. you, if either of y'all know who Bonnie I Hunt do is. Know. I have heard Bonnie the Hunt name. Yeah. I'm well, not good with actors or actors. Well, we'll get to her in another Tom Cruise movie, so okay. I'll, I'll point her out. Um, the second one is uh, the sexy lamp test. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> She's a lamp. We talked about this one before. The sexy lamp. She's a lamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the sexy lamp from A Christmas Story. Uh, that's the lamp in question. And uh, if we replace kind of like the most pro- – are there any women where if we replaced them with a sexy lamp, then like the whole story would fall apart and it wouldn't make sense? I think this movie uh, 
if you had replaced Susanna with a sexy lamp, it probably would have been all right. Yeah, I think it still would have made sense. I think he would have needed to part, be like monologuing to his lamp well, in the car. Well, well, the lamp, the lamp wouldn't have called him out for just leaving him in the car. It was sort of lampshaded, but <laughs> <laughs> you do that on purpose. Uh, as I was saying it, I realized okay. it. That's not a good enough joke to do on purpose, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So, sexy lamp test. We don't pass. This could have been a sexy lamp that he like loses and then like finds in Vegas. <laughs> finds <right>? in Vegas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and shows up outside the, his the door. The story would not significantly change. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a third one that I cannot remember the name of right now. Um, I want to say Machi Koro, but I know that's wrong because I think that's the game where you like roll a bunch of stuff up. <laughs> it's like a PlayStation game and you just roll things into bigger that, that, things. That's Katamari Damacy. Oh, you're right. Okay. Well, I don't know. Anyway, there's uh, the, the, the character in Pacific Rim, the the. Yeah, yeah. Woman. The, Whatever her name is. That's the name of the test. Okay. Um, now I want to say Marie Kondo, uh, and I know that that's wrong, too. I, there's uh, got to be an M and a K in there it's somewhere. It's something, something Maury. Miss Maury is what they keep calling her, but I don't okay. remember her first name. But, yeah. So that is, like, is Mata there, like, a woman yeah. who, like, significantly, who, like, has her own plot arc that's not just about supporting a man's and is, like, significant in the story, and that's definitely... <laughs> Susanna has no arc here. So. Mm. so that's where we stand with this movie. Very so, good. So Critically saying, acclaimed. Not a lot of good ladies in here. So, so what the, that test is saying is that the, the woman in Pacific Rim actually did have her own story yes, outside yes. of the male characters. Exactly. Her say, own arc okay. that wasn't just like, I'm getting together with this guy or I'm fixing my relationship with my dad. It was like her. Or I'm here to yeah. I'm here to be the reason or like specifically... For a man to learn from me. But. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. She had her own stuff going. I guess she could. It could have been like about her relationship with your dad. It's so not this, this having movie, to do with the guy. But yeah, just, this movie fails all three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, especially the Bechdel test. That's one where it's like, you know, gravity fails the Bechdel test. But this is a good movie. There just happens to only be two characters, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but... But in general, you'd be surprised at how many movies you're like, yeah, it's weird. Like, society has to be full of women who talk to each other about things other than their boyfriends and their dads all the time. But, like, if you think about it, like, 50% of the movies that exist will tend to fail this test. Yeah. Which, the fact that this movie fails the test, I don't necessarily think is detriment to the movie because just that it is a movie about two brothers the movie's really following only two characters it's two brothers who are trying to connect with each other brothers yeah yeah i mean so the the bechdel test when i read about this because i'm interested about this kind of stuff um in literary criticism um film criticism (laughs) uh the bechdel test especially is supposed to be more of like um a trend so Mm -hmm. it's not like is this damning to any one movie but if you ask that question of 100 movies and 50 of them fail it, then, like, that's weird. You're, like, missing out on this whole part of, like, reality or, like, this whole certain kind of story that is not existing in these well, movies it's, somehow. It's also um, the... It's, also know, it's, the it's, it's misrepresentative. But, like, the sexy lamp test, to me, that's just, like, you don't care about women, so you're not writing interesting mm-hmm. characters who have to do with the story. Yeah. You know, whereas, the, like, the women are just movies... The women know. are just there be attractive things exactly. you can yeah. look at i mean and a lot of these older movies are yeah. like that whereas mm-hmm. now it's a little you know like star wars like you take the ladies out of star wars and you're like that, right. it doesn't make sense yeah, especially the new new star wars you've you, yeah. you just lost your main you character leia, so. <laughs> yeah. leia and ray and yeah. you just yeah you're what's the movie about yeah half your short thin <laughs> it'd be a terrible movie oh, God. <laughs> oh just the cantabite part yeah it, it just it, it just be oh that. and he doesn't even have the the he doesn't have that uh, the asian rose, girl with rose, yeah rose, yeah yeah whatever whatever her name was rose yeah I You're forgot right. her name because she was such a minor character. Yeah. Didn't I, have a lot to do. Now, in this, arguably, Susanna plays the role of sort of his 
I guess conscience in kind of the same way that like, like Jiminy Cricket played the conscience of Pinocchio, but not. I not would argue. White. I would argue less than Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, she, oh no, absolutely. <laughs> she definitely absolutely fucks up less. Her half of the movie, absolutely less. But I, I think that's kind of what they were going for with her, yeah. which still isn't its own like independent character or anything. But yeah, I don't. I don't even know how much of his conscience she was. She just like berates him for being mean and then leaves. Uh, all all deservedly though. <laughs> well, yeah, but. No, her her Quit character. Me in the car. Quit just ignoring me while we're on a road trip. You know her. Quit abusing your autistic brother. <laughs> Can you imagine going on a road trip with your girlfriend and just not talking to her for an hour and a half? The point. I'd have to have a girlfriend. The point. Oh, <laughs> slam! I, I feel oh, like I feel no. like the entire point of her character was at the beginning to give Tom Cruise someone to talk to, so it wasn't just him in a car. Uh-huh. Then it was her pointing out how bad of a person Tom Cruise was, even though uh-huh. we already kind of figured mm-hmm. that out. She's really drive that point. Home. And then at the end, when they reconcile, it just shows how much Tom Cruise uh, matured, and all of that could have been accomplished without her. Yeah. She's just here <laughs> to reflect his character. Yeah. yeah you could have skipped over the car driving scene and the other two points we had already figured out without her yeah. so she's she's, she's a prize character. to be rewarded for his good behavior yeah there you go yep 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 yep, yep. all right anyway all right so good we're all we're all good feminists now yeah sure yeah uh, that's that's our <laughs> ladies corner yeah, for the day yeah after we just talked about how all of our opinions are women's opinions yeah no, no yeah that, we fixed only it. andrew made that claim. we that fixed true. the patriarchy yeah let's three white guys in their 20s yeah, in a room making a podcast. Let's you just make it. this clear. This is all Andrew. Everybody Andrew is the misogynist. T- in the send room. me tweets telling me that I'm woke and I'm a good person, okay? Well, okay. Let's, all right, so uh, I'm uncomfortable with this in a few levels. Let, let's, so. let, 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 let's just talk about some, some fun facts and background info. Validation. Background info on Rain Validation. <laughs> All right, so this is a extremely successful movie. $25 million budget, $354.8 million at the box office. It's the highest grossing movie of 1988. Um, very well received as well, which actually... Hold on. I yeah, yeah. Cruise it's got a starting whole 5% to be a, percent no, critical that, reception. That is still in there from Cocktail. <laughs> Do not listen to that. Wow. Uh, technical Ugh. difficulties... Hold on. Please wait. So we're starting to <laughs> we see that Tom Cruise... I mean, he's had a few movies in a row that were like really... Huge blockbuster really movies. Really like yeah. huge moneymakers, right? Uh-huh. So he's which starting I, to be a really good investment. Yeah, which I, I kind of I kind of mentioned that last time. Um, I I had read a thing a while back. This was before The Mummy came out, so it could be different because I think The Mummy did not do very well in the box office. But right. he, from Top Gun on, his entire filmography, no matter what movie he did, was, was a box office success. Which we saw last week with Cocktail, that doesn't mean the movie's good. I think it's just his name af- after Top Gun came out has been synonymous with this is going to be good. Like right. having Tom Cruise as the top billed actor on any movie is going to make that movie. You're right. going to go see that movie. And I could Tom see Cruise. I could see a great trailer for Cocktail. There were there are enough moments there. I actually think the trailer was pretty damn cheesy <laughs> and pretty accurate of what you saw in the movie. But oh, okay, but like it, it was a cheesy movie, sure. <laughs> but it had Kokomo. It was a good song. Yeah. Uh, anyways, here are the actual <laughs> critic consensus for Rain Man. 89% critically, 90% users. Pretty much the same. Nice. Universally loved. Yeah, but very well loved movie, both critically and publicly, which 
actually is a little rare mm-hmm. uh, with Rotten Tomato, which uh, we've had discussions off the podcast about whether or not Rotten Tomatoes is really an accurate. We don't uh, actually talk to each other off the podcast. Yeah, that's they, it's, it's smoke signals mostly, but uh-huh. um, but normally you know either the users really like it and I the critics hate you guys. And <laughs> why do you keep giving me a handjob? Anyway, explain that already. Okay, continue <laughs> with the podcast. You guys keep trying to ruin this. <laughs> But anyways, normally either if the audience really likes it, the critics don't like it because it's that kind of movie or it's flipped. And this is one of those rare movies where it's beloved by everybody. So, which I think for good reason, I think this was. Yeah, it was a good movie. This is probably the best, in my opinion, the best Tom Cruise movie we've seen so far. Probably so. I definitely, I enjoy The Outsiders a little bit more than this, but this is probably like a better movie. Mm. Yeah. And there's, sure. there weren't really any stunts for him to perform in this one. I'm sure he would have done them if there were. I mean, uh, can we say he did here we his own go. driving? Here we go. We're going to have Mason coming in with some mundane tasks that everybody um, does and is, says it's a stunt. Is talking to somebody and growing as a character a stunt? Yeah, Mason. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's character growth <laughs> and dialogue. <laughs> Those are different things. But he did run, ladies and gentlemen. We have not found a movie where he doesn't run yet. That's true. He ran after Raymond a few times. Did we see him running in we, Endless we, Love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Basically, always he, he, he was playing soccer. Oh, we actually see him playing soccer. <laughs> yeah, okay. we see him running off the field after soccer, oh. where he immediately strips the shirt Those off. Those were and the days <laughs> back when we were watching good movies. All right, a uh, little not no. a not a ton of trivia here, but here's a, a few things. Um, you okay? So that scene it didn't really go over in the recap. There's a scene that scene where he doesn't want to fly. He keeps mm-hmm. listing off all these airlines that have crashes, re- recent crashes, and then finally Charlie gets frustrated. He's like, "Fine." What airline can you do? And he says Qantas. Because Qantas <laughs> has never had an airline crash, which obviously doesn't help them because they'd have to fly all the way to Australia to then fly to To go to LA. Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Um, Even pronou- Me- mispronounces Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. I was about to say. Melbourne. But, uh, Melbourne. It's a shout out to all you Australian listeners. Governor, I'm Jason Statham, and I could be Australian, though this is not an Australian accent. And there go all our Australian oh, listeners. I see you play Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to continue my <laughs> point like some since I wasn't done. Barbie. Sorry, continue. I'm Mel Gibson. Keep going, Daddy. I'm listening. But Okay, so for the for in-flight viewings of this... All of those airlines deleted that scene because uh-huh. they didn't want people to know that, except for Qantas. Uh, they <laughs> actually course. promoted one of the movie's uh, riders to first class once when he traveled on their airline. <laughs> and uh, another thing to point out, um, that statistic is still true with Qantas. Uh, nice. From, from their founding all the way to 2019, they have never lost an aircraft. So. Excellent Qantas, Qantas, safest safest airline historically. Maybe, maybe on the other hand, some... there is this Wikipedia article titled List of Qantas Fatal Accidents. Hmm. And there's a lot on there. Maybe none of them are plane crashes. Also, a lot of them are in the 30s and 50s. <laughs> yeah. Well, ma- maybe so, maybe it do was your own from, research. Don't believe us, kids. Maybe it, maybe it's not in their entire history. Maybe it's from a certain point to 2019. Maybe but, when they were like commercial airliners, as opposed yeah, to. I, I don't know what they were doing before, but. But anyways, uh, during um, during filming filming, Dustin Hoffman actually um, hated his performance. Um, okay. Uh, and basically told the director at one point, like after three weeks, that you said, just go get Richard Dreyfuss or somebody because this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And he ended up winning a uh, Best Actor Academy Award for it. So clearly wrong. I mean, in yeah. that. Th- that has to be a tough role to try to play. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I thought sure. even even before like even before people started getting up, up on um, a lot of representation issues, mm-hmm. like that just... It's it's got to be tough to get into a mindset where you you know 
oh, you have to be in a in a head state where you can't com- really communicate that well with people. Mm-hmm. You're, you're having trouble with expressing yourself, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, again, I can't speak to the, the the literal accuracy of you know his performance, but within the movie, I think it works really well. Yeah, you know, you feel like you know that character, and you start to understand some of his quirks. And uh, there's there's another uh, trivia thing. Um, Michael Caine. Um, Michael Caine. This is why I didn't <laughs> I actually. Governor, this, I'm actually Jason Statham. It was a lie. See, I, I was just talking about my good friend Michael Caine. I wasn't actually going to put Roger this. Deacons, bye. I wasn't actually going to put this in the trivia section because I bye, knew. Roger. Always I good knew to see you. This Goodbye. would happen. I don't remember my Roger. I can't Deacons even. Voice. I can't even do the podcast. My I'm people sorry. Need me. Bye. <laughs> right, okay, hang on. You me. asked him. You asked him to keep us going. Earlier. There we go. Andrew's muted until he stops doing impressions. Are you done? <laughs> Are you done, Andrew? Are you done? I wouldn't really call a Roger Deacon's thing an impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Roger Deacon. Anyways, what I was saying is Michael Caine actually said that Tom Cruise's performance in this is one of the best performances he's ever seen in film. Okay. Um, and peop- it's a very underrated role because, you know, D- Dustin Hoffman has the, the, the quote-unquote showy role. Right. You know, the, the, the one that's, you know, kind of a little out there and like, you know, that's obviously the one people are gonna be like, "Whoa, that's really good acting," or whatever mm-hmm. like that. But the the thing Tom Cruise had to do with the gradual character arc and all that stuff, and you know, it's it's it's, a, it's harder to do, in a way, in a, in a certain yeah, manner of speaking. Um, yeah, yeah, he definitely had some good moments. I liked his shift, you know, in the bath bathtub scene where he yeah was shifting to actually starting to like Dustin Hoffman. That was a really good shift from an unlikable character to somebody that you then started to like yeah I, and i know a lot of people were really upset that he did not receive uh even a nomination for best supporting actor for this role um i believe is tom cruise isn't allowed to have oscars apparently not um yeah i actually don't think he's ever won one i don't think he, mm, so I, I think, got nominated for magnolia yeah he got he got nominated for supporting actor for magnolia and rain man got nominated for best picture but i don't think either one of them won so he's gotten two nominations but he's never actually won an oscar they um, ever make that stunt category. Well, yeah. I mean, now... At, at, it'll, be, it'll be a bunch of stuntmen and yeah. also Keanu Reeves, Jackie Chan, <laughs> and Tom Cruise just yes. taking them all home. I feel like I feel like at this point, Tom Cruise doesn't care about Oscars. He just cares about having fun. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's why, he, that's why he keeps just putting out just insane Mission Impossible movies over and over again. I mean, if I was in his shoes, absolutely. Just do what you love. Well, especially because Mission Impossible movies are actually getting better, yeah. which is also pretty rare for an action franchise like that. I mean, you say that, but also Fast and the Furious. Okay, they, they took a real <laughs> deep dive with their with their last one. They fell down the quality yeah. a lot. Well, so. okay. we'll get well, there. We'll anyway, get there on a completely different on a completely podcast. different podcast. <laughs> one day, maybe. Uh, also, do you do you remember that scene in the doctor's when they're when he takes them to the doctor to find out what's wrong with them? That yes. guy who's just talking about the Pony Express the whole time. Loved it. So apparently that was not an actor. That was just an elderly man who was in that waiting room. Oh, wow. And he, <laughs> I love that. he decided he wanted to talk about his favorite thing, which was the Pony Express. And the director, Barry Levinson, uh, loved it so much that he just kept the cameras rolling. And they kept it in the film. <laughs> film and it, I, film it, film it. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Amazing. It was fun. It was no, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a character. Uh, also, um, going back a little bit to Risky Business, once again, Tom Cruise's wearing of Ray-Bans boosted Ray-Ban sales. Nice. By fifteen percent. Are we sure CEO of Ray Bans? Yeah, are we sure Tom Cruise isn't just an undercover uh, <laughs> sunglasses salesman? Oh no, is this some kind of like insider trading? Like he's heavily invested in Ray Bans. Yeah, Ray Bans and aviators. He just <laughs> yeah. keeps boosting all the sales. So via sunglasses, but no, tycoon. It, this this is like several. This is several movies in a row here where he's promoted 
the sa- like he's bumped up a company's sales and stuff just from being an actor. Yeah, I mean, I think Cardi like quadrupled the value of babushkas. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. <laughs> he increased the sale sorry, of Baba Yaga's pool, ta- pool tables, but you know, anyways. Yeah, and giant hunts with chicken legs. There you go. Well, y'all got anything else? All right. Well, that's all we have on Rayman. Join us next time when we talk about Born on the Fourth of July. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and check out Cruising It Pod on Letterboxd for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. Um, Andrew Mount, did I interrupt you? Did I start early? You nope, like you're you good. Had more to say? Nope. You're okay. Good. I'm gonna Should leave I all start this over in? again. No, nope, nope, I'm gonna okay, leave it keep in. Going. <laughs> all right. So for this and other podcasts that we may do one day but haven't started doing yet, visit our website at gcatsmedia.com. That's G as in gravy. Catsmedia.com. One more time. That's gcatsmedia.com. And I'm Mason Guzman. To keep up with episodes and announcements, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's at cruising it pod. At, that's at C R U I S I N I T P O D. I would really appreciate it. And you've been listening to cruising it. And on that note, let's get into our discussion of Rain Man. On that note? <laughs> on that note, let's get into our... <laughs> fuck! <laughs> you know what? Podcast is over. No, 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 no. No, Daddy, no. Doug, leave it in. Let's just go watch Toy Story 4 and fuck this whole thing. <laughs>